0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestling to the Max's Raw Review for October 9th, 2017. And, of course, we are brought to you by W2Mnet.com, the place where you go find all your great wrestling needs and a lot more. If you want to come find all our great content, also make sure you go subscribe, rate, and review over at Wrestling to the Max. That'll give you everything that we do. It'll be right in your dock when you want it. And trust me, you're going to want to do that. And we appreciate all of you that do those ratings and, of course, give us some of your feedback with those reviews. Thanks a lot for doing that. We want to give a special thanks also to 411mania.com as well as... Last word on Pro Wrestling.com. Both are great supporters of ours. Want to give a shout-out to them. I am your host tonight, Gary Vaughn. And along with me is not Paul Leeser. It is Harry Braunhurst. Welcome, Harry.
2: It's the Gary and Harry Show, Part 2.
0: <laughs> wow. That, that actually kind of goes a lot like that. that it, it has a me. ring to it. Cool. It sure does. Although, you know, uh, people may conskew it and try to to mess it up a little bit so we'll just go that way right we'll, we'll just stick with the w2m raw review but it could be the gary and harry show that would be a humdinger i'll tell you you know right there with gary after dark so uh but anyway well you know uh you know harry i'm so glad you're able to join me tonight uh and, and i'm actually making my you know appearance for the first time in over a week uh so i mean at least you know my, i'm trying to get back in the saddle so, you'll have to forgive me if I'm still a little rusty here. <laughs> it's been a week, man.
2: It's it's okay. I usually suck on these anyway, so it's cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to be casual tonight. I'm going to be honest with you, here. We're going to be casual. We're just going to go to the show. Not going to be formal. We're just going to have a good time talking about Raw, letting our, you know, just everything flow right not not getting stuck in like a standard format we're just gonna have a good time here so let's get this thing going and i want to start off by talking about the first thing that happened on this show which is ms tv and you get the mizzies that's right not the emmys but the mizzies and this is something that kind of like a part two and you know Miz is sitting here kind of talking a little bit about what happened last week on Raw and really kind of going and running down Roman Reigns. Of course, Roman Reigns took out both Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel and taking out Bo Dallas, where Bo Dallas wasn't able to be present tonight on this episode of Raw. And we have, of course, the Mizzies take place, where Miz gives Curtis Axel the Perseverance Award, and then he moves on and gives Sheamus and Cesaro The beating down Roman Reigns award, basically, uh, which is for the Mizzies, And he gives himself an award. So those are the three awards given out. And really, this is all setting up for, you know, Cesaro and Sheamus to be in the ring. They kind of give their little thanks to themselves. Thanks to, of course, Ambrose and Rollins for sucking, you know, that that whole rundown of the shield. And Roman Reigns does make his appearance along with Rollins and Ambrose. A brawl ensues, and there you go. You know what, what also happens here, Harry, is it's kind of cool, I guess, for all the Shield fans. Is after the big beatdown, the Miz is the last guy standing uh, of all the other heinous bad guys, and the Shield take care of him, classic Shield style. So this is this is an okay opening, I think, Harry. I really kind of enjoyed what we saw here.
2: I have no issues with the segment, how they presented it. I feel like the shield reunion is something that a lot of people have been asking for for a long time. And so finally getting it, you can't complain too much about it. I think there are a couple of little things that could have been done to make it better. But at the same time, I think they want to save some of those for later. And one of the things that I mentioned when we were doing the react, Tony and I were doing the reaction, which made its return earlier tonight, was at the end, once they did the triple shield fist bump, What I thought would have really sold the moment is instead of just going into the music playing itself, them hitting the old Sierra Hotel India intro for it.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that, because let's be honest with Roman Reigns, keeping that shield music, it doesn't feel special anymore. And so every time you hear it, you're not thinking of the shield anymore. You're thinking of Roman Reigns. Mm. And I agree. Right. You know, so then that mm -hmm, go ahead.
2: Well, that makes me think that they're saving it for the pay-per-view for their entrance. You'll get the full Sierra Hotel, India Echo, Lima Delta, and then they'll do the crowd walk entrance at the uh, TLC
0: pay-per-view. Uh, I sure hope that's the case. I really, really what do. You,
2: what did you think about this opening the show? Do you feel I really, like it would have? Do you feel like it would have meant more if it went on later in the program?
0: You know what? I, I could make a, a definitely a point to say this would be a not bad spot for the main event because the main event was, yeah. <laughs> hey, compared to this, I think this got a lot of hype. I mean, you saw the crowd's reaction. So maybe that's why they wanted this to start the show. The, the Indianapolis crowd was super hot for this. I mean, they were like you would have thought this was a Super Bowl. I mean, that the crowd was screaming unless WB just turned up the volume on the crowd. It, it was pretty intense. I, I think it would have been great to have at the end, though, because I think this was something that was actually pretty solid.
2: Three things to touch on as to my opinion on why this was placed where it was.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: One, due to all of the follow-up that they did later in the show, specifically with the triple Bomb to Stroman, which I'm sure we'll get to shortly. Two, the fact that this was going unopposed against this kickoff for Monday Night Football. And a lot of people like to say that they don't book the show based on when Monday Night Football's starting. I am inclined to disagree with that sentiment. Three, yeah. I, think they, I think they realize that they lose viewers in that third hour. The third hour is always the lowest rated of any of the hours on the program, so they feel that either doing it here or going into the 9 o'clock hour would have been the spot to do it in order to keep from hitting that 10 p.m. wall.
0: Yeah, I can see that as well. I really can. You know, and Monday Night Football is a Spectacular thing to go up against. It really is. And, you know, this is not exactly the biggest time in wrestling. This is not like we, you know, used to see with the Attitude Era where it was a big competition. Now they're doing everything they can to just stay afloat during Monday Night Football. And so I kind of can see where you're coming from here and why they placed it here. To me, it was fine. I I don't have a problem with it being here, but I could make a strong case for it being in the main event if you want to just forget about the competition, which you can't do. But if you wanted to forget about the competition, Uh, because this is, to me, one of the hottest points of the show, I think people love this.
2: Yeah, I don't disagree with that, and I think the Indianapolis crowd played a large portion in that, and there's a reason to me. Because in a rare example of long-term storytelling by the WWE's creative team, and I don't know if this is by accident or if this was done intentionally, Indianapolis is the city with which The Shield debuted in the WWE. It is also the city with which Seth Rollins turned on Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns. So the reunion happening in Indianapolis makes a lot of sense as well from a historical perspective.
0: Yeah, you're right. And it's a special situation where they were able to relive that, you know, being the debut and all that. So, I mean, I I think it was cool. Uh, I think it, like I said, it it makes sense here. I think there is a big reason why the crowd was hyped and all that. So uh, I'm completely cool with, you know, the situation here. I I do want to jump into the fact that, you know, later on we do have The Miz talking to Kurt Angle and, you know, them setting up their TLC match. I also like that we have the situation later in the show where you have Matt Hardy and Braun Strowman. Uh, I'll talk about we'll talk about that match, but I want to kind of get the shield stuff out of the way before we talk about the Matt Hardy stuff. Uh, long story short, we do see Braun Strowman do what he does, right? He he finally does take down Matt Hardy. But that does not spare very well for him because we do have the shield come out and take him down. And they do do the classic power bomb that the shield likes to do, that super power bomb through the announced table. So the shield is making another enemy. Uh, well, he was already kind of their enemy anyway, but making him an well, even stronger enemy. <laughs> well, Rollins and Ambrose at the very least. Yeah, exactly. So now you've got the situation where Miz is asking Angle, says, look, you know, Rollins came out here and said, they'll take anybody on. They'll take three, four, five, six guys on. I want a fourth guy to team up with my guys, Seamus and Cesaro. And, uh, well, what is he going to do, Curtis? Uh, you know, you do have Kurt Angle actually agreeing to that. So it's going to be a, you know, four on three situation. And you have Roman Strowman kicking in the door uh, to come in and make his presence known to kind of get the crowd popped about that too. So and the one thing you harry also, when that was announced, when Miz said, I already have my partner after Kurt Angle agreed, uh, it was kind of a pause there and I kept waiting and waiting and I saw the door and I was getting worried the Shockmaster was going to appear. So thank God it was Braun Strowman. You're
2: not ready for the Shockmaster.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <Are you> watching. <laughs>
2: Watching too much old school WCW lately. Um, I want to give credit to Miz for kind of like, I don't know if you remember the old 411 column hidden highlights. Mm -hmm. Uh, As Strowman made his way into the scene after Miz announced that he already had a new partner lined up for that 413 handicap match. I love how Miz kind of hid behind the TV monitor as Strowman was looking at Angle. Miz does the little things with his character so well that I just think he goes so underappreciated by so many people as far as how good he really is at what he does.
0: I, I'm not going to disagree with you at all. Uh, I, me and you are on the same page with that. And, you know, I know there's a lot of haters out there and there's a lot of people that don't like Miz. Trust me, yeah, Miz is the I, cocky guy. Uh, yeah, I host,
2: I host a podcast with one of them. His name is Patrick Ketza.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I kind of forgot about that, but you're right. Patrick does not like The Miz. I kind of let that slip my mind. Maybe on purpose. Uh, But I I am a Miz guy. I I think a lot of him. I think, you know, one day if he ever steps away from being actually inside the ring, maybe he can be outside the ring as a manager if they still even have those in the future. Uh, But, you know, long story short, I think you're right. I, I could even see this guy being above the IC title. I think he deserves a chance at the world title sometime. Oh, completely agree. Here, if it's the WB championship, or so, but you know that—that that is you know, later on. But uh, here if, we are, right now.
2: If he was of Indian heritage, he would totally be Jinder Mahal right now. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Two stories. Too
0: bad he's not. So yeah, yeah. really. Uh, but for all uh, of us, you know, well, uh, you're 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 telling me. We are sitting here, though, with this big matchup for the Shield, and, uh, you know, of course, you know, they're taking on four worthy contenders, and this is going to be a big match. And I, I, To me, if you ask me personally, I think they built that up pretty well in this show. I, I, I was not disappointed what I got. It, it, you know, last week, you know, we kind of saw that whole fire burning for the Shield kind of starting to tingle, and now it is kind of full on flame. Looking forward to what we're going to get.
2: Yeah, the big story will be what they do on the 22nd at Tables, Letters, and Chairs. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Because I feel like they're going to have to do something big to take Strowman out of the match. Because Strowman's a one-man wrecking crew. Whereas I feel like while Cesaro and Sheamus are better partners for The Miz than Axel and Dallas would have been in this match. Don't get me wrong. I personally love Curtis, Axel, and Bo Dallas. I just don't think they're anywhere near on the level of Rollins, Reigns, or Ambrose. I don't feel like as a three-man team, the team of Miz and the Bar would have been enough to take down the Shield credibly. With Strowman added to the equation, I think that it definitely adds an element of intrigue into what will be the decisive fa- what will be the deciding factor come TLC on the twenty second.
0: No, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. And also on the poster, it looks a lot better. It really does. It, it actually brings a lot more credibility, kind of like what you're saying here. I agree. So, I mean, really, it's up to the Shield to be the superheroes now and overcome that giant odd, which is Braun Strowman. Uh, You know, if if the odds are not in his their favor just yet. So, uh, but yeah, there you go with that. I mean, I think it's really interesting. I do want to mention though, we we're talking a lot about Braun Strowman here. He did have an actual match where he did, you know, become uh, you know once again the killer of many superstars. Matt Hardy was the next victim in this situation, but Matt Hardy held his own in a lot of this. And I was really happy to see that they allowed that to happen. You felt like, you know, Matt Hardy was actually a competitor in this match. I I like that. I like that. They kind of gave some of the false finish here. You know, of course you you thought twist of fate, you knew he wasn't going to, you know, pin Braun Strowman, but at least they gave you that thought that there could be that possibility. So, (laughs)
2: I found myself laughing when Strowman kicked out at one, though.
0: Well, he's been doing that to everybody, though. I mean, yeah, who is?
2: So, so disrespectful. <laughs> like kicking out of the first F5 at one, I kind of get because it was early in the match. There hadn't been a whole lot of damage. Like, I get that. But. Matt was more or less holding his own and had a significant advantage, especially off of that Tornado DDT on in there. The kick out of the Twisted Fate at one just made me chuckle and think, well, there goes any chance Matt had it being credible uh,
0: on a solo run. <laughs> I, I get that, but who did he do it to last week? I swore he had a match last week with somebody who needed it to him. He faced Ambrose last, or Rollins last week. Yeah, didn't he? Basically... To toss I, Ambrose out of uh, no, Ambrose Rollins out of the way too didn't he just
2: I don't remember him kicking out of the V trigger though
0: all right so I had to watch it I was in the middle of the ocean I, I watched the highlight well
2: you'll have to go back and yes, watch the match really itself remember. but I don't uh, believe I remember he him doing... out of the, I don't I don't believe he kicked out of the V trigger though
0: okay uh, yeah well, I'm not gonna say it I do know I have no idea Remember, I watched the highlights today. so. Uh, but nonetheless, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, Matt Hardy's Matt Hardy. But I don't care who you're talking about here. Braun Strowman's going to kill him unless they have three guys. So.
2: <laughs> yes, no, I agree with I agree with the fact that Matt Hardy should not have won this match. But that being said, Matt, Matt did look credible lasting as long as he did with Strowman, even if Strowman dominated a good portion of the contest.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, what's also interesting here, you had Ron Stroman carrying him, you know, look, he's going to carry him to the back. So it makes you wonder what he would have done with him. I, I think, though, it's going to be kind of fun to see that whole, what's up?
2: I I, I don't want to imagine what he would have done with him.
0: Pass, yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> I, well, the thing is, is I am waiting for the day when Matt Hardy is so tortured or, or, or something big happens to him where that means that we finally get that switch flipped to full-on Awoken, or whatever they want to do with him. Um, I, I'm weary of half Matt Hardy, half V1, half Broken. I'm kind of tired of all that. So, uh,
2: You know, I, I, I'm almost to the point now where I think the, the timing has passed, though. I, I feel like... I feel like anything that he would do with the gimmick now, it, it would kind of be a case of what could have been if they'd have done it immediately, you know? Yeah, They've, been but it, it. They've been teasing it for so long, I'm not sure how much I care anymore.
0: they may not care too much. I understand that point. I mean, we are kind of past it, but I think still, I think if he was able to full-on do it, I think we would would we, we jump on board I think I mean sure we say oh well here we go we finally got it we wouldn't be as excited anymore uh, but I, I think eventually you'd get used to it and eventually you'd appreciate it And so I, I'm not going to go against it I still want it I don't care if it's going to take three years if he's going to be in the WBE I still want it that's okay
2: that's I mean it's it's fair that you feel that way I'm sure there are a lot of fans that do I just I think I'm personally to the point now where if it happens now it's probably a case of too little too late for me
0: yeah, I get you. Uh, fair point. Well, let's talk about Jason Jordan here. He has a match, and it's one that, you know, I think when you saw the matchup here with, you know, Anderson, you're thinking to yourself, well, here we go. You know, Gallows and Anderson once again get to be put in a place where it doesn't really look great for him. Carl uh, Anderson does a pretty decent job here, though, like always. You know, pretty decent match here with Jason Jordan. I thought Jason Jordan got to shine quite a bit here. Uh, And Jason Jordan does end up winning this match. What do you think about that one overall?
2: All told, I think Jordan's perfectly competent in the ring. The dude just has, like, negative charisma with this character. And I feel like a lot of a lot of things, a lot of the try that again, Harry. A lot of the problem with Jason Jordan is that he's being unfairly compared to other people that are in a similar position, such as he. And by that I mean he's being compared to Kurt Angle because they obviously view him as possibly being a successor to Kurt Angle. And he's also being fared uncomparably to his former tag team partner Chad Gable, who is, in my opinion, at least as good in the ring and significantly superior with a microphone.
0: I'm not going to disagree with you on that point. Uh, the, the microphone skills are not there for Jason Jordan. Uh, he's definitely going to have to work on that a lot more if he wants to go anywhere in this company. Uh, I think the skills are there. I think he has an opportunity to be very Kurt Angle-ish. Not Kurt Angle, though. Um, I, I think he's, you know, got something, but I, it's like you're talking about here. It's not that full package. We'll have to continue to follow that and see if he's able to reach those levels. Is he actually going to reach that brass ring, if I could say that terrible term? Uh, Let's see if he ever does that. Uh, But in in the long (laughs) run here, I know I hate it too. I just, I had to throw that in there just to be an idiot. Uh, But, you know, Jason Jordan is a guy that they're going to continue to do this with. They're going to continue to push him and continue to see what they can get out of him. This was just a match to have him on TV. That's all this was. Carl Anderson and Gallows were just there to kind of be there.
2: Yeah, it's weird to think here. These guys were tag team champions going into WrestleMania, and now they're pretty much the kings of irre- irrelevancy.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I- I'm going to complain about it forever uh, until they're actually used and-, and put in a good spot. I just, I hate it because I think those guys have a lot to offer. And it's like, hey, you got a lot to offer, but we don't want to see it. So. That's just the way I feel about it. Uh, Apollo Crews comes uh, into play here because we have Elias Sampson coming out to sing another wonderful song to the crowd in Indianapolis. And he's going to sing about Apollo and tell everyone how terrible he is. Uh, but before he can get into his song fully, we have Titus O'Neil coming out with a banjo and interrupting him and singing his own song about you know Apollo Crews and you know, kind of making fun of Elias Sampson here, which leads to a match with Apollo Cruz and Sampson. And uh, really, this is a, a decent back and forth. Uh, really, Elias is the guy that gets a chance to look, I think, still the best here. He does win the match. But poor Apollo. The guy tries and tries, and here we are. Same result, Harry.
2: Yeah, I think the issue is Elias is one of those guys that they want to do something with. They just don't have anything for him yet because of their focus being in other places such as the reunion of the Shield and the involvement of the Mr. Rush. I think Elias is somebody that you could eventually see in a full-on program with a guy like a Dean Ambrose, like a Seth Rollins. Possibly like a Roman Reigns, definitely with a guy like Finn Balor having more of an extended run than the short little feud mini-feud that they had going into Balor having his interactions with Bray Wyatt. The problem for Apollo Crews is that Apollo Crews just finds himself as one of those guys who has so much talent but so little charisma. Apollo is an excellent performer inside of the ring. But unfortunately most of the money is made in the WWE based on your ability to tell a story on a microphone and be able to get your character over and the biggest thing we know about Apollo Cruz's character is that he's underneath the Titus Worldwide brand that's about the extent of it. I almost feel like they're going to have to do something like what they did for Roderick Strong and NXT for Apollo. Give him the kind of vignette treatment to let people know who he is, what he's about.
0: You're right. I think that that would be great. Um, but yet, I mean, uh, you just mentioned something else. That, you know, you think that you know the whole broken thing is kind of it's not there yet. So you've kind of it's where it's welcome out. Uh, it makes you wonder if Apollo has outworn his welcome. Maybe it's not there anymore. And even though he may send a bill cute video package about his family, about him doing things. How much is this WWE universe going to care? Really? How much are they going to like? Oh man, I love this guy. I I would love it to be the case. I want a touching story. I want to see him, you know, talking about his mom and how he wants to buy her house, or maybe he bought her a house, things like that. You know, it's uh, this whole amazing story, but I just question if this is too little, too late.
2: And you might be right. Uh, I think the problem for Apollo is he's, he was called up too early before they had any kind of cemented plan for him. He was one of those guys that they looked down in NXT like, oh, shit, this dude's got some pretty cool stuff that he can get in, but what are we going to do with him over the course of an extended run here?
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll say this, and I'm sure you know uh, Sean would back me up, but I remember me and Sean sitting at the Raw after WrestleMania and on, you know, Apollo Cruz's debut, and I was looking at Sean, I was like, I, I, I don't know why this is happening. I don't get it. Why is he here? Because <laughs> I did not understand why he had to appear, why he is making his debut. It made no sense to me. And, and I'm right there with you, Harry. It was too early, and I, I think Apollo's paying the price for that. There's not enough here with Titus Worldwide. I, I actually like the Worldwide thing because it doesn't keep like Titus was? in the ring. I think it gives uh, some shine on some people that would not usually get it, like Apollo and Tozawa, who, you know, he's a great cruiserweight, but he's able to actually use some of his personality that he does have with the worldwide brand. Um, I wish that they would actually let Dina Brooke in there to give her something, hopefully, hopefully change something with her. Uh, But nonetheless, this is just something that, They've got to figure out for Apollo because if Titus Worldwide's is not going to do it for him, I don't know what is. He's going to have to figure out something or he's just going to be a jobber. And that's all we're going to see from Apollo Cruz. And I hate that because I think the guy has talent. Can I ask you a question that
2: I've asked to other people before? Specifically, I asked this question to Sean when we were doing the 205 Live review about Akira Tozawa. Do you feel that an Akira Tozawa and Titus and uh, Apollo Cruz running the tag team division would be the worst thing for them?
0: I would love to see them in the tag team division. And, uh, I, I think it's a situation where really they could feed off each other because I, the crowd loves Tazawa, right? He's got the charisma. He's already got them in the grasp of his hand. It's Apollo that doesn't. And so then feeding off each other, you give Apollo a little bit of that. Then, you know, I think things get a little bit better. And I think also, you help a tag team division that desperately needs tag teams. That's so I'm with exact, you on
2: that. Yeah, that's the exact thing that I was thinking there, is the fact of the matter is is that you have Tizawa, who's really not doing a whole lot in the cruiserweight division, Apollo Crews, who's really not doing a whole lot of anything in any division, and you have a chance to add a, some revitalized blood into a tag division that desperately needs it right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That was my thought process for putting them in the tag team division, it's just going to be a case of whether or not people are going to be willing to take a, uh, Akira Tozawa seriously up against non-cruiserweight competition because of the way the cruiserweight division is portrayed by and large.
0: Yeah, you're right. Exactly. So, I mean, that's a situation where they could go that direction and really help themselves, but do they want to and are they? I, I don't know. And I really I almost kind of doubt it right at this point because they've yet to pull that trigger. And they still have Apollo losing matches over and over again. So I don't know that they're getting him any credibility. And Tazawa's sticking around on the Cruiserweight division and really just kind of hanging out, too. So, uh, but, you know, you're talking about the Cruiserweights here. I, I do want to talk about Enzo Amore. And he comes out, of course, on the show like every Monday night. And it feels like he talks for 45 minutes. I know it's not really that amount of time, but it feels like it every time he comes out now. And this guy does his normal spiel. He talks about that no contact clause in his contract and really just kind of berates the Cruiserweight division, talking about how he is money. Uh, And Kurt Angle comes down, and they have their little discussion. And really, it's about Enzo wanting to know why Kalisto was allowed to do what he did, and to just to give this guy a shot. Why would you give this guy a shot when you know he is the money maker for the cruiserweights and for Raw? And Kurt Angle says, "Look, you know, I had every right to do that. Your contract, you know, you've got to read that small print. It said that I I would not allow anybody to have contact with you that was currently under contract. But Kalisto was signed after he had written that signature on." contract specifically so that's why so is going to get a shot at the title and kurt angle in fact says instead of having your match at tlc against Kalisto for the cruiserweight title we're going to have it tonight on this episode of raw which is not very happy about and as kurt angle goes up the ramp he also mentions hey by the way uh all those guys that you know were not allowed to touch you and to no contact clause well that's going to be put on hold because as they're going to be lumberjacks around the ring in this uh, championship match. So Kurt Angle set up the odds a a little bit here against Enzo Amore. Uh, But, you know, overall, uh, you have, you know, a situation where people are kind of curious what's going to happen now. It wasn't just this match that no one cares about. Now I think people are actually going to be interested, and this is going to be your main event because Enzo demanded it be the main event. Um. So since I set the whole thing up, uh, I think we'll just go ahead and talk about the match too. We do have this match. You also have just one quickly mentioned. Kalisto mentions Eddie Guerrero. He also mentions Rey Mysterio. He still is a little shaky on his promo. He forgot the word proud. I don't know if anybody noticed that when he was cutting that promo. <laughs> but It is what it is. Uh, but he does have the match with Enzo Amore. A lot of stuff goes on. A lot of the normal lumberjack stuff. The lumberjacks even get to their own fight outside the ring. Uh, It it was a chaos. But in the long run, you do have Kalisto as your new champion in the Cruiserweight division. Uh, That was kind of a shock to me in a way. I thought they'd find some way to screw him over. But now Kalisto is your new Cruiserweight champion. Harry, I just said a lot. What did you get out of any of this?
2: Okay. As far as the promo goes, I kind of like the fact that while Kurt Angle is willing to work with Enzo in the cruiserweight division, he doesn't necessarily like him in the cruiserweight division, which I can appreciate because the fact that Angle has always been about the in-ring content that Angle was able to deliver in his career. So I would think that Angle would prefer a cruiserweight division that delivers in the ring. That being said, as far as the match, let's go to Kalisto's promo real quick here because there is something here that I I have an issue with. And I brought this up on my other show too, and I feel the need to bring it up here because it's a different audience. (sighs) Getting really sick and tired of people using Eddie Guerrero for a cheap pop. Getting really sick and tired of people using Rey Mysterio for a cheap pop. It's basically the insert name here of the Mexican division. Like how they do the Insert City Here, Cheap Pop Foley style? mm mm-hmm. That's how they do it for the Hispanic wrestlers now. I mentioned Rey Mysterio. I mentioned Eddie Guerrero. Like me,
0: damn it! <laughs> <laughs> You're not far off, uh, you know. Uh, On Eddie
2: Guerrero's <laughs> birthday.
0: Oh. Yeah.
2: That's, Are uh, you... Uh, mm-hmm freaking kidding me
0: you know i didn't even realize that that's just amazing that they uh, that's probably part of the reason they did it too i bet you they're that no that and i talked about and i I
2: read the 411 report and stuff uh i I looked at the 411 news report and actually the original plan was to have the belt go back to neville tonight but then they decided that since it was eddie guerrero's birthday they could honor eddie's heritage by giving the belt to calisto uh slight problem Eddie Guerreros from Texas
1: <laughs> yes
2: a- anyway back to to the main event itself um, the, the, the whole thing just bothered me and I felt the need to get that off my chest yeah the main event itself I actually enjoyed I I'm, I'm a sucker for lumberjack matches just because I like the interactions and all the action around ringside and stuff and I just I feel like you can tell multiple stories in these kind of matches and they really did. Because you told the story of Enzo versus Kalisto, but you also told the story of Enzo versus the Cruiserweight division. You told the story of the tag match that happened earlier in the show. You told all kinds of different stories while they were at ringside. The superplex off the top rope onto the floor onto the lumberjack looks really cool. It's a spot that I've always said looks visually impressive and is very minimally dangerous due to the fact that they have such a large landing space with all the guys underneath them. And then the finish itself of the match, the Super Salida del Sol, is really cool looking visually. I think this was done to retcon the no contact clause for Enzo because once Enzo gets the belt back on October 22nd at TLC, then all of the people that couldn't face him for the Cruiserweight title can face him for the title because he had since lost the title while that contract was valid.
1: I just wanted to set uh, something straight here in regards to the Latino thing. You are always from your heritage – regardless of where you were born so no
2: i get that I, eddie I, was I, I get that eddie is a mexican hero trust me i i understand okay. it i completely i, get and I, I completely respect i, that. I i'm just because saying that, like
1: if i went to go play for venezuela tomorrow because i am venezuelan uh even though i was born in this country or whatever I, they would love me to death just the same way as uh you that, know assume. eddie I, I i'm just saying like that's how we work you know
2: No, and at, a, so. a, that assumes you can crack their starting 11. B, more importantly to my point here, as far as the whole Hispanic heritage goes, I get that as far as Eddie goes. I get that as far as Callisto goes, but you don't have to constantly beat it over everybody's head with these guys.
1: Oh, it's I have a problem with it because Kalisto just – that's what they've done from the beginning with him, and it's just never allowed him to be his own person
2: kalisto's actually a tremendous performer if you've ever had a chance to see any of his pre-wwe stuff the dude can bust his ass in the ring it's just he's such a one-hit wonder when it comes to all these comments and stuff that he makes on television that the character comes off as a shell of himself and i find that to be offensive as somebody that's actually enjoyed his ring work outside of the wwe i feel like he's capable of so much more than what they're actually letting him do
1: well, I mean, also, a lot of people just can't get over the it's a Lucha thing that's going to forever doom him. So <laughs> I just, I'm just telling you right now, like, I think when it comes to promos, just the man doesn't need to speak. Like, just have a way okay, he doesn't it. talk.
2: Yeah, if you're, that, if you're that focused on giving him something, do what they did for Andrade Cien and Almas in, uh, in NXT. Give him a manager. Give exactly. him a female. Valet. They should
1: have more managers for these guys.
2: Give him, a, give him a female valet that the fans will enjoy and will be nice little eye candy at ringside, that can do his talking for him, and that way he can do his thing in the ring. Don't have him constantly cutting promos that are insulting my intelligence as a longtime wrestling fan. I mentioned Ray. I mentioned Diddy. Cheer for me.
1: I just don't see how they think that even the general audience thinks that that's cool. I mean. This like, is the I, same.
2: That, this is the same company that pushed Ray after Eddie died. So let's okay, be honest. Okay, that's though.
1: different. That's different, though. For no, me. it's not. Like, yes, it is because Ray was still. Ray was uh, a legend regard, without that. Okay.
2: Okay. So, Ray would not. Ray did not get to the point that he got in the WWE without them capitalizing. Oh, on Oh, I magic. agree
1: with you, but what I'm saying is, if there's one person that. Like is I'm okay with that happening. Even over Chavo, because I don't feel like Chavo had earned that outside of WWE or or anything. Like Ray I was okay with that, they just did it too much. But like after that okay, his time passed, like I get it if you want to bring it up for Hispanic Heritage Month and you wanna bring it up as an honor to him or whatever, but He's said that many times. From the moment he got to whatever show he debuted on, he mentioned those two people. And that's been his thing from the beginning, and they never allowed him to be his own person. And it it, uh, it ruined him for Don't, me. And then, you know, him screwing up on promos doesn't help either.
2: It, it, doing it on Eddie's birthday just really stuck in my craw tonight.
1: Uh, All right, continue on. I'm sorry.
0: All right, that is, uh, you know, Sean. Uh, he is producing tonight, so I'll make sure people, you know, know why he popped in here.
2: Uh, oh, but you know, he'll, he'll be producing SmackDown in two hundred five live tomorrow night as well.
1: Teeplug, actually, <laughs> Paul will be doing that because I have uh, a, okay. I have US Men's National Team duty. Well,
2: this assumes uh, this assumes Paul is awake. <laughs> 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 just, just kidding, Paul. You know, I
0: love you. I dig, I like it. Uh, okay, so let's just get this thing finished out here. Uh, you guys, you know, kind of talked about the whole, you know, Hispanic heritage. And also, I think October is Hispanic Heritage Month, I believe. So uh, maybe another reason. Well, no, uh, it's half
1: of it. Half is of September, new and half champion. of October. Still, fit. half of it is okay. So, so like, yeah. it they so, have five more days of Hispanic Heritage
0: Month, um, and then. Well, see, but it happened during, right? So Yeah. <laughs> um, they capitalized that. They capitalized on the women's name. Like I said, it doesn't matter. He's going to drop the belt back in 13 days anyway. Well, there you go. See, that, an early prediction from Harry on that. And, uh, you know, the only thing I'm offended about this whole thing is, you know, you had Eddie mentioned. You had Ray mentioned. Where was the Hooventude mentioned? Like, come on. What? You're mentioning all the legends of the Latinos. Come on.
2: All right. I already gave you a a Shockmaster impersonation. I'm not giving you my hooven to tonight. you have to wait for another show for that one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. We'll wait on that one. Uh, So, you know, uh, let's move on to this other Cruiserweight matchup. You mentioned it earlier, Harry. You have Cedric Alexander and, uh, you know, uh, Mustafa Ali coming out and tagging against Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher. And... You know, an interesting matchup. Kind of a your normal, kind of short cruiserweight match here. Not much, you know, too much going on here out there, from my personal opinion. You have Gallagher and Kendrick going over and winning this match. Did you get anything out of this?
2: Um, Brian Kendrick looked pissed off when this match ended. And I don't think that was in character. Ooh. <laughs> oh. I think some... I
0: think somebody
2: screwed something up, and Kendrick was not happy.
0: Well, the finish looked terrible.
2: That might be why Kendrick looked so unhappy. I know the finish was Kendrick pinning Mustafa Ali with sliced bread. Yeah, and that sliced bread was awful. Uh, but, it, uh, did, it, did,
0: it did look like Ali's fault, by the way.
2: It really did. I do – see, I like i like Gallagher as a heel. And I think that Gallagher as a heel could kind of replace the void left by Neville in the heel ranks in the, on the 205 Live division because I don't think Enzo's the worker that Neville is. I think Gallagher is. So from an in-ring perspective, I think Gallagher can replace Neville on that heel side of the 205 Live roster. With that being said, this match itself here was pretty much what most Cruiserweight tag team matches are on Raw. Filler.
0: There you go. That's Basically what I said, too, in my mind as I watched it, I said, oh, well, I'm going to watch this, but I'll be honest with you, uh, Gary, you can probably change it over to the game and uh, watch a little bit of that while this is going on and not miss a thing. And kind of felt that way. And when I saw that finish, I thought, oh, God, why didn't I stay in the game? Uh, let's talk about something that we actually may care about. Let's talk about Mickey James coming out and, and basically talking about Alexa Bliss and, you know, mentioning, you know, what is it? You know, that Alexa's so angry about and all of that, you know, kind of talking about the fact that she's been around for a little while. She's a country singer. She's, you know, been a women's champion, kind of running down a little bit of her career. Uh, but, you know, she kind of calls out, you know, Alexa Bliss here, and Alexa does come out, and they kind of trade barbs here, Harry. And, you know, it, what's interesting here is Alexa Bliss does come down to the ring. They get in a scuffle, but, you know, it, it's Mickey James that gets the better of Alexa. So, They're just setting up a a match over here for TLC. What do you think about this, and did it do anything for you? (sighs) Yes and no. From
2: from an entertainment aspect, this match actually does kind of intrigue me because of the fact that, frankly, their interactions on the microphone with each other have actually been pretty good, although Mickey laid on that southern accent super thick tonight. Uh Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, though, this is the same Mickey James that was losing to Emma in three minutes, like a month ago. So I have a hard time taking her serious as a credible threat to Alexis title.
0: You know this really to me, Harry, has always been set up as a filler, right, or a transition I should say transition match. This is to get something. This is to get Alexa towards something else down the
2: line. It's not going to be Oscar. I don't know why. Everybody has their opinion of the fact that Alexa is going to drop the belt to Oscar. No, Alexa is not dropping the belt to Oscar. Alexa will drop the belt to somebody before Oscar gets it because they don't do heel versus heel matches.
0: Yeah, you know that's true. That's
2: and as
0: I say and as I said that we
2: set up Emma versus Oscar later on in the show, so I think we'll bring in Oscar as a face, but I don't think she'll stay face for long. That being said, as far as this match goes, I'm intrigued to see what they can do against each other, though, because they had a match on SmackDown a while back that was actually pretty good. And I think given the extended time of a a possible pay-per-view situation, hopefully they get 10 to 15 minutes. And I believe that these two can have a fairly cohesive and pretty good match. Then again, I would have said the same thing about Natalya and Charlotte going into last night's Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And that match was categorically disappointing.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. You're right about that. I, I think, you know, we're on the same page because I kind of feel like this is an opportunity for Alexa to get better. Mickey James, you know, being the experienced veteran that she is, is going to put on, uh, I think, a, a lot of good things to kind of help along what Alexa's trying to get done here, right? And so I think she's going to work pretty well with her. I think, you know, their match at TLC should be pretty solid. I'm not saying it's going to be spectacular, but I think it'll be solid and I think people will be, you know, pretty happy about it. This feud for me is working because they had, you know, basically do all the stuff that you should do in this feud. Talk about Mickey James's age. And really play against that. But I think in, in, in the end, really, this is, like I said, a transition. You said it too, Harry, to the next thing. This is just something for Mickey James to do. And this is the reason Mickey James is in this company to, to put over the young talent.
2: No, I completely agree with that assessment. I believe that Mickey is there to fulfill the same role that somebody like a Gold Duster in R Truth is on the men's side to work with the younger talent. Talent to help them develop and to stay out of the way once it comes to their time to shine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as far as as far as Alexa goes, you were mentioning the fact that you think this is a transition to something else. I wouldn't be surprised to see Alexa drop the belt to Sasha in order for Sasha to face off against Oscar down the road.
0: I would have a problem with that, uh, but the thing is, is same old story. You get you yeah. know Sasha Banks getting the title and yay, and then she loses it. So,
2: yeah, well, history repeats itself,
0: yeah <laughs> well,
2: That's not to mention I don't find Sasha I don't find Sasha all that entertaining to begin with.
0: You know it, it's been a rough go for Sasha and Bailey, both, I think, on the main roster. NXt things were beautiful, things worked out well, it, it seemed like these two were destined for the stars. hit the you know, main roster and just they coast.
2: Well, you know what I think happens, too, is I think the fact of the matter is, is with NXT, them only being on NXT television every two or three weeks. I think the problem becomes overexposure, having to be on television every single week on the main roster.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I think you're right. I think a lot of pressure being put on them as well, because they're pretty much the ones having to headline a lot of these big matches. There's nobody else really to do it. You know, before, you know, when they first showed up, there was no Mickey James, a part of that roster. There was nobody else out there to really kind of be in the limelight with them. So you had Charlotte Flair, actually, when they were all on the same show, kind of being the star, kind of being the one that outshined everybody. And they finally had to move her to another show just so that, you know, they could do their own thing. Um I don't know. I I think that they still have an opportunity to get on track, to maybe get better, to to be in that place that they need to be. But right now, it just seems like they coast and they coast and they continue to coast. So we'll see. Asuka coming, though, I think Asuka is going to do just great. I'm not worried about Asuka at all. So we'll see.
2: I'm,
0: I'm not worried about Asuka. I am worried about creative with Asuka. You, you could be very right about that. You know, We are talking about a creative and especially on a show like Raw where Vince is going to be very nitpicky, especially with a talent that is not a – oh, I don't even want to say it. Um, let's just say not American. Can I just say that, not American?
2: Well, look at the way that Shinsuke has been treated on SmackDown. I fear I fear that it could come to a similar situation with Asuka on Raw with Creative there because of the fact that the plans change on a constant week to week basis. And I don't think that the I don't think that the Raw creative team are going to be in touch with the same people that were writing the NXT show where Asuka was so dominant. A lot of us have these expectations of what we feel Asuka will be when she comes to the main roster. We don't know what she's going to be until she's actually there.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true. We really don't. We have all these big expectations, like you're talking about. But you know, we have to wait and see. That's that's the thing about this whole situation. I think debut will be amazing. I think people will be excited. But what are we going to get? Are, are we going to get her to be like Nakamura? Will she turn into, you know, a Sami Zayn? Who knows? So. Uh, but you know what? There's a lot of excitement about Asuka coming, and the women's division in general is excited about Asuka coming. You even have Bailey and Sasha backstage talking to you know uh, Kurt Angle and saying, "Look, I know I want to be the first one to face her at TLC." And then of course you have Alicia Fox coming in and uh, annoying everybody in the room and of course everybody at home. Uh, you also have Emma come in, uh, you know, to to join the fray along with Dana Brooke, and they really all want a chance for Oscar. So well, guess I- what, Kurt? Mm-hmm.
2: I learned something very important during this segment. What's that? Dana Brooks still has a job.
0: Yeah. <laughs> she even kind of brings that up a little bit. There says, you know, I, I I almost am invisible. That's what she kind of says there, and you're like, yeah, you, you kind of are. Uh, I mean,
2: in fairness, when, her boy, mm-hmm. her her boyfriend did just die, so I mean, I can understand her being off the of television for that. But at the same time, even when she was there, she wasn't entirely relevant.
0: Yeah, you're, you're right. You know, she's just there. And I I almost question why they even brought her to the big dance, but it is what it is, I guess, you know, it gets to kind of flounder around. Well, you know, they all talk, Kurt Angle, uh, Uh, into maybe having a match here. And what he sets up, he says, you don't discuss and fight over this outside the ring. The way we handle things on Raw is to do it in the ring. So he sets up a fatal five-way, and whoever wins this match is going to get a chance to face Asuka at TLC. And, uh, you know, we have a a pretty uh, okay match here. Uh, You know, of course, it's an elimination match. So we have Dana Brooke getting eliminated. We have... Uh, uh, you know, I believe it was Bailey getting eliminated next. You're yeah, left
2: pinned, mm-hmm. pinned by Alicia Fox because that should happen.
0: Yeah, I, I know. Pretty. Oof. What, what do they call Alicia Fox's finisher? I've already forgot. I know it's like a scissor kick. I don't. I think it's something like the fox trap or something. Something terrible. Any anyway. Uh, so th- then, of course, you know, you're left down to Sasha. And of course, Alicia Fox gets taken out. It's Alicia, uh, you know, doing what she does right. Get knocked out right towards the end. Uh, Emma and Sasha Banks. You were kind of curious about this one. Emma rolls Sasha up for the one, two, three. Stills the victory. Emma is going to be facing Asuka. And, you know, the one thing, Harry, is I don't know why this was a big deal. I don't know why they were all fighting over who's going to face Asuka, at tells TLC. It's like saying, hey, uh, no, I want to go to the death chamber. No, I want to go to the death chamber.
2: <laughs> all right. So Tony and I actually kind of had a discussion about this over on the reaction. So I'm going to bring that discussion over here because I actually do see the logic in this. They all want to fight Asuka because they don't know what Asuka is capable of. None of them have been in the ring with Asuka bailey excluded and bailey might think that she has the opportunity now to beat oscar once they see what oscar does to emma at tlc none of them should want to fight oscar
0: i agree i, I totally agree no one should want to and i think you're right on that
2: don't you know oof. D- don't fear the unknown fear the known <laughs> don't be afraid of don't be afraid of what you haven't seen, but once you see what she's capable, run, run like hell.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, definitely. Uh, I, I, if I'm one of them, I would be running really fast away from that. It's gonna be fun ex- ex- though. Ex- except Alicia, Oscar
2: can take Alicia's head off any day of the week.
0: Yeah, and twice I- on Mondays. I just I worry for you, Harry, because I know you're partial towards Emma, aren't you?
2: A little bit. And I'm afraid that she might die.
0: Yeah, so, you know, we'll it, we'll make sure.
2: if she needs any assistance, I'm volunteering my services. I'm just tossing it out there now.
0: Yeah, I know. We'll make sure that we send you her contact information and that way you can, you know, say, hey, you it'll, know.
2: It'll look absolutely perfect next to the restraining order.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I always give you the contact information so you could send, you know, roses to the flowers and all that to the, to the oh, casket. Oh, no, no,
2: no, don't, don't <laughs> die, Emma, don't die.
0: All right. Okay, so y- y- there you go. Emma, Asuka, TLC, enough said. I, uh, yeah,
2: I definitely, I definitely feel Asuka's going to get the Samoa Joe treatment when she makes her way to the ring at TLC, though. She should get the Oscar's going to kill you chair.
0: Oh, I sure hope. And she probably will.
2: Uh, where, where is TLZ being held? Uh, that is a very good question. I do not know off the top of my head.
0: Okay. I Because, you know, making sure it was one of those crowds that would do this. Uh, but anyway, uh, Finn Balor uh, decided he's going to get in the ring and talk a little bit about Bray Wyatt and his uh, discussion about Bray Wyatt last week. And, you know, of course, we got a little touch of Sister Abigail last week with Bray. And, you know, it was interesting, huh, for sure, if I can say it that way. <laughs>
1: oh, that, might,
2: that might be the most politically correct way I have heard to describe this. Yeah. It was interesting. <laughs> so, it was character assassination, is what it was, Gary.
0: i uh, trying to be nice because I love Bray. I, I know, dressing and all, I love the man.
2: This is a guy who got away with wearing a butcher's apron for a while in the ring. He ain't coming back from this one.
0: No, and and let's get down to business here. Uh, Bray talks. You have to? I have to. Finn Finn talks a little bit about, you know, Bray Wyatt and, of course, you know, what he thinks about him, blah, blah, blah. Bray basically appears on the screen like usual, right? rocking chair and all uh and he basically says finn you know you lied to me and that hurts more than anything uh then you know you get sister abigail channeled through bray and basically says the same stuff we've heard to finn uh it's very weird very exorcist type thing here um and later on, Finn is interviewed by Renee Young, and, and he even says he kind of felt what was going on here. So it was more effective towards Finn than I think anybody at home or anybody in the audience. Finn Balor felt this way more apparently. But I don't know what to think about this, honestly. I really don't, Harry.
2: <laughs> I do. I already gave my two words to describe it. Ch-
0: character assassination. Okay, so so I'm, I'm going to bring up this argument, and, and it's just a quick argument, and it's really not going to hold in court or anywhere else. But this is my thought process on it. I've been asking for a long time for Bray to become more mysterious, to be more science fiction, horror movie-esque. I want something bigger and badder than him just talking and talking and saying the same old riddles and blah, blah, blah. And now they're giving it to me. And I'm kind of liking the fact that they're giving it to me, but I'm kind of not. And I don't know if I should feel really disgusted by this or a little bit happy. They gave me what I wanted. I I just don't know. I I really don't Harry. And I'm bothered by that because I, I like both Finn Balor. I like Bray Wyatt. I think this, this whole feud has been character assassination for both guys. Not just Bray. I really think Finn Balor is a major hit. And, and his stock has gone way, way down. To me, right now, Finn Balor, you're in the same category as Ty Dillinger. Yeah, and,
2: well, I mean, Ty did get a U.S. title match, which is more belts than Finn sniffed in this course past calendar year. <laughs> True. I mean, he's Dillinger's at least getting something of a push on SmackDown now. I oh God, I just I talked to Tom about this and Tom and I were talking about this while we were watching Raw, and he said that it would make more sense for them to use somebody from NXT to come up as the woman pulling the strings of Sister Abigail. Maybe like Brace had suffered some kind of psychotic break. And I actually think that that would make more sense to me. That you get almost like a misery kind of situation with him where there's this woman pulling the strings behind the scenes. And I almost feel like that would have done more for me than Bray turning into Sister Abigail himself and being what more or less amounts to a cross-dresser.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm with you on that. And I've kind of thought the same thing, you know, back way, way back when, you know, when they were talking about Sister Abigail and before Bailey even made her appearance on WB television on the main roster. I, I often said it'd be so funny to have her or somebody that has not been called up yet to be sister Abigail. It'd be a big surprise that no one saw coming. And I I'm with you guys on that still to this day, even though that was a long time ago. Now I, I still feel that way. I, I question what they'll do, but see sister Abigail is supposed to be dead. So you don't want to bring out a zombie Right? I mean, that's my Uh, only argument against that.
2: Well, that depends. Is that zombie's name Rosemary?
0: Because then I'm all for it. Oh, I'm... No, I'm game for it. Let's do it. Like, how can we make this happen? I agree with that assessment totally. Now, they'll have to change, of course, you know, the makeup and make her less Rosemary, but they'll still use some similar music uh, makeup.
2: Yeah, but I think that... I think that uh, Courtney Rush, uh, Rosemary, oh, call her whatever you want to call her, would be would have been the perfect person to portray this particular persona. That being said, as far as the string puller goes, I feel like that they would have had more that they could have done with the uh, with the overall reach of the Bray Wyatt character if it comes out that there's somebody behind the scenes pulling the strings of Bray Wyatt. And honestly, the person that I thought of is the one who just made a return to the Performance Center recently, and that's Paige.
0: Oof, I don't know if I want that I, that uh, you gotta have some more someone more reliable than Paige first of all um, Okay, that's, that's, that's a fair assessment <laughs> second of all uh, that just I think you you really talk about careers uh, assassination and character assassination everything that talks about the death of somebody I, I think Paige being the person would really weird out people.
1: I think well, I mean, would be if like, you wanted somebody to have a psychotic break, she's primed for it.
0: Yeah, but, you know, we don't want to be that close to reality. Okay, yeah, I didn't actually
2: think <laughs> that
0: part of it. Maybe <laughs> that might be hitting a little too close to
1: Yeah, home. I mean, you know, that might get her in touch with some feelings I don't think you want shown on TV.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's actually a fair assessment, Sean.
0: Oh, man. So, I mean, I think in the long run, uh, this could get better. But as we sit here, we're still not happy. I, you know, I, I for a long time, I've wanted to see something similar to this. So I'm not going to hate on it too much because I just, they're giving what I asked for. I, I, can't, I can't sit here and say, oh, I hate what I was wanting. Um, but I, I just hope it gets better. That's all I'm going to say. I hope it gets better. I really, really do. So.
2: And the, the overall reactions that I've seen have been pretty mixed as far as people's take on this whole situation. I think there are those that are willing to give it a chance, and I appreciate the people that are willing to give it a chance. I know kind of what I would have envisioned for the Bray Wire character, so maybe the fact that I enjoy fantasy booking as much as I do kind of puts me in a position where I'm not quite as willing to be as flexible with this as maybe some other people are. So, hey, they could knock this out of the park, and then I will completely recant my statements as far as the ones that I've made tonight. That being said, history tells me otherwise when it comes to stuff like this.
0: Yeah, it really does. And history will tell that tale probably, most likely. Um, But... I will be one of those flexible people. I am gonna sit here and say I I'm still have a hope, a wish, and a dream that this does get better. And I do think that it has those legs to get better. Heck, if they wanna do, you know, like you said, someone pulling the strings, hey, they're still sexy star. So uh, I can't would, say <laughs> I can't say the words I wanna say right now. I'm just saying you wanna bring in someone who bodies evil, right? I mean, there No, you go. if you want to bring in somebody that embodies evil, you bring in Katrina
2: from Lucha Underground.
0: Oh, yeah. That, that would be amazing.
2: Although, although I'm not sure that they could want to bring Maxine back. But I'd be okay with it. But she yeah. does have pictures out online now, so they might not want that exposed.
0: Ah, uh, you never know. That, that's mm. true, though. Uh, but, yeah, so there you go. Uh, that is, of course, you know, Pretty much our show. Uh, We've kind of covered everything, kind of talked about all the ins and outs of what happened on Raw this week. Um, So we are here at a time where we need to give a rating for this entire show, Harry. What did you give it this week?
2: Five and a half. A little better than average, but I think a lot of that is helped by the fact of the opening segment having the long-lasting impact that I think it could It's something that a lot of people have been asking for for a long time. Overall, it was a pretty blah episode of Raw after that, but the opening segment and then the future interaction with Braun Strowman is what people are going to remember from this show, and I think that that could lead to bigger and better stuff down the road. Also, I personally really enjoyed the Kalisto and Enzo match, so I'm going to go five and a half.
0: That's fair. I'm going to go six, and I think the reason I'm giving that extra half point from my end is because Indianapolis really made that place rock at the right times, I think. So uh, just because of them, I'm going to give it a little bit more uh, juice. But, yeah, I, I think overall they've done a decent job be- building TLC, putting some things together. Uh, this Lots of talking tonight. Lots and lots and lots of talking. Uh, the matches were decent. Nothing that blew me out of the water. I wasn't really super stoked about any of them. So there you go. Uh, that's what it is. You know? Sometimes it happens that way. So yes, that is our show tonight. And, and once again, thank you, Harry, for staying up late and hopping on. I, you know, kind of waited around; wasn't sure Paul was going to be able to be on because you know we were not sure. We had talked to him and hadn't heard from him. So thank you for filling in tonight. And really looking forward to hearing you, uh, you know, talk some SmackDown Live, and of course, two hundred five live tomorrow. Yeah, man, I should
2: probably I should probably talk about that, huh? You yeah. can join my. Um, You can join myself and Liz Puglisi as we bring you the fallout from the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view and the return match between AJ Styles and Baron Corbin for the U.S. title on our SmackDown Live review. And in addition, we talk the new Cruiserweight champion Kalisto and what it means for the division when we do 205 Live here on the W2M Network, available on W2Mnet.com.
0: Yep, and you guys don't want to miss that, trust me. And, of course, check us out on NXT. Uh, that's Rob, me and Paul hopefully will be getting together and doing that show uh, this coming Thursday. It will be available well, Friday morning. You know, Well, so.
2: if he sleeps, I'll be here.
0: Yeah, of course, I'll, <laughs> definitely. I, I'll catch you, Harry, if he does. <laughs> Snooze on! <laughs> In addition, you can also listen to myself,
2: Stephen Err, and Brandon Biscobing as we present the kickoff on Wednesdays here on the W2M Network, and myself and Patrick Ketza bring you Wrestling Unwrapped on Sundays. We have our f- second trip across the pond planned for this Sunday as we go cover Revolution Pro Angle versus Zaber, which is the exact main event you would think it would be, Kurt Angle, in one of his final independent wrestling appearances, taking on Sack Zaber Jr.
0: Yeah, there you go. And definitely uh, go check out all those shows. As long as, you know, uh, you want to go find shows, this is the best place to go find them, w2mnet.com. Hey, and also the W2M Network, if you want to go find that, you'll get all those shows in one nice package. Go subscribe, rate, and review there. Uh, of course, the guys over Wrestling to the Max, me, Sean, Paul, We all do all these normal episodes of Wrestling to the Max every week, and we will be doing some this week as well. So come check us out there. Lots of great stuff to give you uh, news. Of course, like Underground, Impact Wrestling, everything you can think of under the sun we're going to have. So we're looking forward to that. So there you go, guys. That is our show. We thank you so much once again for joining us. For myself, for Mr. Harry Broadhurst, we'll catch you guys down the road.